Welcome to the Sliders and Curveballs podcast. My name is Mike, and I'm here with my son, Joseph. Together, we are learning sports one game at a time. Welcome to Season 4 of the Sliders and Curveballs podcast. More athletes, more coaches, authors, sports media, more stories, and of course, more Joseph. Plus, we'll have card giveaways, including Albert Pujols today from the Game Within the Game Paul Jenis Top Series. And we're throwing in Joseph's personal podcast card in the best mailbag entry for Pitch Us a Question. All our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. Walt Disney. The Boston Celtics are not a basketball team. They are a way of life. Red Auerbach. Welcome to the show, NBA contributor to the Celtics blog and a personal Twitter favorite, Keith Smith. Well, thank you so much for joining us mid-NBA season, Keith. Welcome to the Sliders and Curveballs podcast. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. We're really excited to speak with you. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Keith, but I read that you once were a Disney World train conductor. I was, yeah. I worked for Disney for uh, nearly 20 years before leaving to cover the NBA full time. And my first ever job with Disney was uh, working on the, the Walt Disney World Railroad at Magic Kingdom as a train conductor. That's awesome. We love we love Disney World. Um, now, what other, what other what other types of jobs did you have over there? Uh, most of what I did was in the backstage, like office type capacity. Um, I worked in our workforce management and analytics department uh, quite a bit, as you can imagine. It's it's a very big place. There's over eighty thousand employees uh, that work there, so it's uh, quite a bit to figure out what kind of employees you need: full time, part time, seasonal, uh, interns, which is how I started with the company. Uh, so my team would be worked on that. We also worked on on this kind of day at Magic Kingdom. How many popcorn vendors do you need to have open and those kind of things? And how many registers at the merchandise shops and you know, those sorts of uh, items there? And then I also worked in our casting department as well and, and did that uh, for the property as a whole and then for some uh, more specific locations like Animal Kingdom Lodge and things like that. Well, that's incredible. Um, such a special place. I'm sure you have great memories and really one of the greatest uh, businesses in the world. I love it. Well, we're going to talk about the Boston Celtics, the past, the present and the future and a little bit of Disney talk as well. Are you ready to get going? Yeah, let's do it. Awesome. Well, Joseph, why don't you go ahead and kick us off then? Hi, Keith. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. You worked for Disney and loved the NBA. Last year, both you worlds collided in in the NBA bubble. Can you share some thoughts how they created an Orlando basketball city and kept things safe? 
Sure. Yeah, it was. Um, it, so I, I believe that I was one of the first ones to write about the idea of the bubble. I had uh, wrote that for Yahoo Sports in mid-April when the season had been shut down for about a month. And there was all this discussion about maybe they'll head to Las Vegas where they host Summer League or maybe to Atlantic City or they, people were saying the Bahamas or even crazy ideas like go play on cruise ships and things like that. And, and all those things I, I knew weren't necessarily going to work work but at Walt Disney World they have the ESPN Wideboardless Sports Complex where they have three uh big gyms um it's it's isolated on the back side of property uh it has about a half mile or so long drive down into the sports complex so i knew it'd be very easy for them to keep people out if they didn't want anybody down in that area uh clearly they had the hotel space cuz at the time i wrote that they were not reopened uh by the time uh the NBA got to Walt Disney World. They had reopened. But what they did was the hotels that they used, they kept for the NBA only. There was nobody there that wasn't related to the NBA or related to uh, working for Disney as far as housekeeping, food and beverage, those types of things to keep everybody going. So they were able to to close that down uh, far easier than a, a main city like Las Vegas, where it's a very real city and it's hard to shut streets down and close off things like that. Disney is private property. Uh, pretty regularly, they have to close off chunks of the property for various reasons. And they, they know how to do that and they know how to manage crowds and all those kind of things. And then uh, they, they were able to do that and get a successful completion to the 2020 season. Yeah, it's it's literally a bubble that they created. How incredible. And we were very fortunate now. Joseph and I have done close to 50 podcasts, over 10,000 streams, um, have interviewed everybody from Tyler Kepner to Jim Calhoun. And we were fortunate to podcast live from the NBA bubble during the games with Ben Golliver, um, who was writing a book at the time. And uh, and it was just an exciting um really an exciting tournament that they pulled together. And, and we knew that you were going to have some insider thoughts on that. Thank you so much for sharing Keith. Yeah, absolutely. No, happy to. Yeah. I bet Ben's book, uh, bubble ball is, is a really great, great read. Um, and I'm not just saying that cause he, he gave me a little mention in there, but that, that was pretty cool too. So I, uh, you know, my, my ego is not, not so small that I won't admit that. I love it. I love it. Now I read an article recently on your personal top 10 favorite Celtics Maybe not the greatest Celtics of all time, but this is Keith Smith's personal top 10. In addition to growing up a Patrick Ewing fan, and we're huge Big East fans living in Connecticut, would you share some of that list and maybe why you selected some of those players? Yeah, so for me, I grew up on the Celtics of the 80s and 90s. I I, uh, they, they still very much remember my... Um, my dad and my uncle saying that that my first championship that I could claim was 1984 uh, for the Celtics because that one I could actually remember. Uh, so yeah, it was um that, that that was you know just what what a time to grow up and and become a huge basketball fan. So for me, Larry Bird's always going to be at the top of that list. Um, uh, you know, forever and always will be. Uh, he's you know the, the in my mind you know the greatest Celtic of all time. Uh, you know, right there with Bill Russell. Um, but I did not see Bill Russell play. Um, so that is you know a little uh 
you know, hard for me to put him on my list of, uh, you know, full, full on favorites, but Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, Reggie Lewis. I was a big, big Reggie Lewis fan. I was absolutely crushed when he passed away far too early. Uh, and then in the more recent years, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, uh, Rajon Rondo, guys like that. I, it's, 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 you know, I, growing up in the Boston area, uh, before I moved here to Florida, I, I feel very fortunate that I get to see those great players for so long. Yeah, I never knew that Reggie Lewis, who was an incredible talent, once blocked Michael Jordan four times in a game. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it, it's really remarkable. There's there's a, a really good YouTube video that shows it too, and you can really see like you know just how good he was. He he was at the point where the Celtics felt very good about. All right, Larry Bird is going to retire here eventually. And they had, unfortunately, uh, a handful of years prior, had lost uh, Len Bias, uh, passed away from a drug overdose before he ever even played a game for the team. So what ended up happening was you had this guy, Reggie Lewis, who is now uh, transitioning into he's going to be the new face of the franchise. And, and then, you know, unfortunately, uh, shortly after Larry Bird passed away, uh, Reggie Lewis then, you know, unfortunately had a, had um, a heart condition and collapsed on the court in Charlotte. He was working his way back and then he passed away, uh, you know, just a few months later uh, from that heart condition. That was really sad. Yeah. Such a shame, uh, a, a terrible thing to happen. Uh, to such an incredible person. Now, we're huge UConn fans and Jim Calhoun fans. So him uh, coaching Reggie, I remember he told us in the pod that uh, Reggie had called him uh, when he made his first All-Star game. Um, and so that Northeastern connection is really special. Joseph, uh, after, after later on today, do you want me to pull up those YouTube videos and, and show you the, the blocks on Jordan? Yeah, sure. That's awesome because we actually just did our last podcast a couple of them ago was about Michael Jordan's life with his biographer, Roland Lazenby. And so we're big Jordan fans. And for anybody to have shut him down on defense for a little bit, you have to watch. Am I right, Joe? Yeah, you are 100% right. <laughs> I love it. All right, Joe, what's your next question here? Growing up, you followed the Celtics. What are three historic plays that you'll never forget as a fan? Um, wow, that's a good question. Uh, definitely the, the, the one that will always stick in my mind, um, is Larry Bird stealing the inbounds pass against, uh, the Detroit Pistons. Um, I, I can still hear the, the, the radio call, uh, of that play very clearly. I know, know it, you know, uh, completely, um, you know, uh, you know, by heart and I can, anytime I, you know, see it, hear it. I, if I see it, I hear it. If I hear it, I just close my eyes and I can see the play. Um, so that one would be at the top. Um, there was a play in the 2008 finals. Uh, I was already living here in Florida. We'd actually just moved back. Uh, the Disney company had moved my wife and I to California uh, for a while to work at the property out there. And then we had just moved back uh, during that, that run for the 2018 team. And they won that championship. And there's a play where Kevin Garnett uh, went up and I, I want to say it was in game two. Um, I can envision the play. And he went up and, uh, and hammered through a follow dunk. And at that moment, it was kind of like, oh, they're here. They're, they're ready. They're ready to win this thing. Um, and that was really cool. And then 
one that's it, it's not a fond memory, but it'll always stick with me is in the 87 finals. Uh, the Celtics, uh, Larry Bird missed what would have been a game winning shot in the corner. And it's always stuck with me because every time he took a game winner, you felt like it was going to go in. And that was the one time he missed. And I just remember watching that on TV and just how silent the Boston Garden was. And it was like, everybody was like, wait, did that's not how this goes. He doesn't miss those. And, and that, that'll, you know, on a more kind of, not, not a real happy memory, but that one will stick with me forever as well. It's amazing how some plays, both good and bad, do have an effect and an imprint on your entire life. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, there are, uh, you know, I have a handful of those on the uh, New England Patriots side as well. I'm a big Patriots fan. And um, we were actually, my wife and I, because we were living in California, uh, the year they had gone 16-0 and in the regular season, we went to that Super Bowl in uh, in Arizona and drove down there. And the, the David Tyree helmet catch will never, every time I see it, I just, it still is like, how did this happen? You know, and that, uh, you know, that will always stick with me. Fortunately, a couple of years later, uh, the Patriots got their own version of that with Julian Edelman making the great catch uh, against the Falcons and in that incredible comeback. So that's the one I prefer to focus on because that's a much more happy memory. Yeah, Giants fans like to call that Keith a post-traumatic stress disorder uh, Tyree <laughs> style. So sure. <laughs> now you have an intense knowledge of the salary cap, the CBA, trade options, and often share this on Twitter, way above the average fan's knowledge. Joseph will say to me oftentimes on the way to fourth grade in the car, <clears throat> hey, why can't we go get Steph Curry? Just like the Dodgers stole Mookie Betts from the Red Sox. How can fans better understand this part of the game even at a young age, like a ninth, uh, nine-year-old, all the way up to um, fans that have been watching this for years so that they can kind of get a clearer picture on team construction. Sure, yeah. I think the simplest way to explain it is the NBA has a salary cap that doesn't allow you to just go get whoever you want. Uh, Even if the Celtics and... um, you know, wanted Stephen Curry, they'd have to trade for him and they'd have to give up, you know, really good players to go get him and draft picks and everything else because Steph's one of the best players in the world. So what would happen with with a thing like that is that's how it would have to go. Um, and then as far as uh, the sport like Major League Baseball, they don't have a salary cap. So a team like the Dodgers that has seemingly, you know, unlimited finances can just go and trade for and sign and do whatever they want to get players because that's just kind of how it works. And in baseball is, uh, you know, again, a kid of the eighties and nineties, that was the, the call for the New York Yankees. My basically my entire life was they just went and bought all the best players and that's how they built up championship teams. So, um, that's, you know, just a unique quirk of that sport compared to, to the others, but the salary cap, what it tries to do is make it so it's an even playing field so that the richest teams in the biggest cities aren't just getting all the best players while everybody else just kind of watches. Totally understand. Great explanation. Here, here's here's one that's going to keep you on your toes, uh, Keith, that I know that you've been um, struggling with a little bit. The Celtics' current record is 18-21, and 11th place. Give Brad Stevens the week off. How would you fix this this team for the second half and next year to be an East top squad. 
Yeah, it, it's it's been a very disappointing season for the Celtics. And if if uh you know if Brad Stevens had the week off, I I, I think he might still limit the ability of what I could do. Um, he might still say, "Hey, I'm I'm going to take a week off. You just kind of uh, hold, hold court and answer the phones here." But if if I was in charge of the Celtics, I, I would at this point I'd be exploring any and all avenues um, as far as trades go. I wouldn't take any of the players off the table. Now, guys like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, it would take an awfully lot to get those guys. You'd have to be you know, really sending me back some great players and uh, beyond because I, I think very, very highly of those two players. Uh, but the rest of the roster, I'd really look at it and say, well, you know, well, where are we going with this? And they, they have some guys that uh, probably aren't, uh, part of the long-term future, guys like Dennis Schroeder, uh, Juancho Hernan Gomez, maybe even Al Horford. And I would look at it and say, all right, if they're not going to be here uh, long-term, what can I do now, today, that can get us where we need to be? The hope was that guys like Dennis Schroeder and Al Horford would lift this team back into being really good, and maybe they'd contend for a championship. And it's become clear over the first uh, few months of this season, uh, and we're almost at the halfway point now, that that's not really where this team is at, that they, they've they've got a lot more work to do. So I would really look at that and say, all right, where are we going with this? Because I want to really look at um, what, what, what are we trying to do the rest of this year, but also how are we trying to set things up long term? Because Tatum and Brown are simply too good to not have a good team surrounding them. Yeah, now I'm a big fan of uh, both of the Jays, and I certainly want them to build around both of them. And I think Schroeder's done a great job. He's going to go get paid, obviously. Um, Horford started off incredible, almost like he had uh, found the fountain of, of youth, but maybe has dialed it back a little bit since. Three years from now, will both of the Jays be on this team? Yeah, that's tough because three years from now, that's like an eternity in the NBA, in a league where most contracts run three or four years long. Uh, we sometimes see teams change over almost their entire roster in a three-year window, if not often in four or definitely by the time you get out to, to five years. So I, I do think that there is a chance um, that what we see happen with the uh, with the, the Celtics is one of the two is still here while the other one is off somewhere else. Now I'll counter that with saying if they can really lock in and find, um, you know, players who, who complement them well, and they do get this team moving in the right direction, then for sure, you're not going to trade two you know, young wings that are only just now starting to enter their prime because that's what everybody's looking for. But if this team is a year from now is still struggling, I'd be surprised if we still have both uh, Tatum and Brown. I would guess it would only be one of the two. And the other one would have gone somewhere because they'd be looking to, uh, to, to rebuild in a sense around the other one. I totally understand. Thank you for your honesty. Uh, this year's team, do they make the playoffs? Um, I'm going to say they make the play in. Uh, the playoffs, I don't know. Uh, well, we'll see. Right now, just getting into the play-in, getting into that 7-10 to 10 play-in is going to be a big enough challenge as it is. They're, as it stands today, the, the, the 
last assured playoff spot, the sixth seed, they're four games behind. And that's that's a decent amount of games to be behind at the halfway point of the season. So they've really got to pick it up and really start moving forward and winning some of these games that, quite frankly, are games that they probably should should win, win already. When, when you have a team like the San Antonio Spurs in town, uh, you have to take care of teams like that. It, it, no, no disrespect meant to the Spurs, but they're not a very good team. The Celtics should be able to win games like that. So I, I'll say, yes, they make the play in uh, playoffs. Uh, I'm far less confident about that. Yeah, they've lost some awful games. I mean, Emi Udoko has definitely dug a hole for himself, and it almost seems like Groundhog Day a little bit how they have found terrible ways to lose. Now, I covet um, Bradley Beal. I think he's a terrific scorer, and I love the 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 romance of growing up as a childhood friend of Jason Tatum. Now, I don't pretend to know all of the math behind it and the contracts and what the Wizards have going on, but do you think that there's a small chance for those fans that like the idea of Beal and Tatum playing together, that that could possibly work? Yeah, it's very hard to see how that would come together, barring the Celtics trading someone like Jalen Brown for Bradley Beal, because they they don't, we talked about it's it's a it's a salary cap league, so you can't just go sign whoever it is you would like to sign. So their big challenge now, kind of moving forward, is how do you plus this team up around Tatum and Brown or Tatum or Brown? And the 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 real answer to that is you have to make trades to make that happen because they're just not going to have for the next few years the salary cap space to go sign a player the the caliber of a Bradley Beal. So they want to do something like that. It's going to have to come through trade. And as it stands right now, there's been no uh, comments at all from the Wizards side that they have any interest in trading Bradley Beal. And he himself has said he doesn't really want to leave Washington. Understood. We'll keep our fingers crossed and we'll have to see it play out. That's what makes uh, sports so fun, Joseph. Um, Listen, uh, Keith, on January 15th, as I had mentioned to you, we will be at the TD for the Celtics versus the Bulls. Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan, which is their own dynamic duo, and they don't shoot a lot of threes. Um, Would you help us preview our game that we're going to see in about a week and give us some keys to watch and what has been a Bulls team that's been very exciting for Chicago fans? Yeah, for sure. What are some of your thoughts on that upcoming matchup? Yeah, I think it's... um... The Bulls are a far better team than I thought they would be. I I, I thought they they would be kind of where the Celtics are in that fighting in the play in in mix, but they've really their group of players has come together very very quickly. And they when they played the Celtics uh, the early in the season, it was uh, in the I want to say it was the first day of November. Uh, Boston had a 19 point lead and ended up losing that game by 14. Uh, so that's a 33 point turnaround. And that, that tells you that Chicago's got some, some firepower to make that happen. And you mentioned a couple of the guys. So you've got DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine, uh, two guys that are playing some of the best basketball of their careers. They can both score. They can both pass. Uh, DeMar DeRozan has really reinvented himself as a player is, um, 
a, a playmaking forward now versus a scoring guard. Uh, Lonzo Ball playing as the primary point guard. He's really kind of the engine of that team. Like he gets them going, he gets them up the floor, gets them into their stuff very quickly. Uh, he's he's been great for them. Nikola Vucevic holds it down inside. Um, you can play with him in the post. You can also run pick and pop with him because he's a good jump shooter. Uh, and then they're they're. Depth is a little shaky, but it's starting to look a little bit better. Uh, Kobe White, who's a young guard, is back from an early season injury and is starting to play pretty well. Uh, they've they've really seemed to have hit on a second round pick. Uh, Io Desunmu comes off the bench behind Lonzo Ball and gives them solid minutes. And then Alex Caruso, when he's healthy enough to play, has been very solid as a on ball defender, a uh, guy who can score in the open court and do some some things offensively. So it, it's a pretty good mix of of players that Chicago has, and they, they're they're a really tough team because they they defend pretty well, and then they have more than enough offense to get by on the nights where. Maybe Maybe that the other team is scoring some points um, they, they can they can win a shootout as well. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to the matchup. Uh, Joseph is a big fan of, of some of their players. And, you know, nobody in Chicago talks about can Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan coexist together. They're doing fantastic and they built a pretty good team around them. So that's that's hope for, you know, the Jays as it relates to Boston. Yeah, it is. Now, there were those questions before the this season. It was, you know, all right, Lonzo Ball needs the ball to be be really effective as a point guard, and DeRozan's best when he has the ball, and Levine needs the ball, and you got to get Vucevic plenty of shots, and is there going to be enough shots to go around and those kind of things, and they've just made it work because, again, a handful of their guys have taken on these roles of, all right, I'm going to – maybe I'm not the one shooting, but I'm going to – be able to be involved as a playmaker and that 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 can be equally as good i think we get lost in shots sometimes um but as long as guys are involved as playmakers that can go a long way to keeping them energized and engaged in games and i'll tell you what keith um once again my brain working as a fan this is a fan podcast you always think like oh i love this player let's just add him to our team who cares about the math but when Vucevic became available from Orlando, I was thinking, boy, that would be a really neat component to add to the Celtics. Um, so I'm a big fan of of his game for the balance on the floor. And so I, I think they picked up a pretty good deal when they, when he went on over, on over to Chicago. Yeah, they did. And, and the Celtics were interested in him as they were Aaron Gordon. And ultimately they did get uh, Evan Fournier. It just became the, the price tag for Vucevic was pretty expensive. And what the Celtics didn't necessarily have at the time was the young player to to deliver in that trade, uh, whereas the Bulls had Wendell Carter Jr. Now, we can say Robert Williams right now looks every bit as good as Carter uh, does, but Williams was coming off of injury-plagued seasons, hadn't played quite as well, and those kind of things. So so what you ended up with was a, uh, a, a Bulls team that was motivated to go get Vucevic, and they gave up a good young player and two first-round draft picks. And that was you know something that the Celtics just couldn't quite meet that price tag. But you're absolutely right. He's a very good player, very solid uh, offensive player, and he's better than people give him credit for defensively. He's not Rudy Gobert back there, but very few players are. Um, but he can, he's a really good rebounder, and positionally he can hold his spot. Yeah, and I like Robert Williams, Rob Lob Williams a lot, so I'm having a lot of faith in him going forward. But I'm not um, ashamed to admit, I am starting to have nightmares of Evan Fournier. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the the crazy thing is this is only happening against the Celtics. Uh, he he has averaged something like 35 points per game against Celtics, and they're going to they're gonna see him again for the last time this season on a Saturday night here. So we'll, we'll see what that looks like. But it is uh, – it is um, he averages about 35 a game against the Celtics, and I want to say it's like just under 12 points per game against everybody else. So uh, it's just one of those things where I don't, maybe he's got a grudge against Boston or something like that, but he certainly has had had plenty of big games against Boston. So that fear is well-founded. Yeah, absolutely, Joseph. We'll watch that game tonight, and I know Keith is going to have to do some reporting on that game, and maybe he just uh, you know wants to constantly prove that Danny Ainge is a genius, and and uh, he, he could have done this for the Celtics if they kept him a little longer. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's one of those things. Sometimes we see that, right? A guy leaves a team, and and then, and then when they play their old team, they've got a little something extra for him. Absolutely, Joseph. Why don't you fire off one of your last ones here? My dad and I did a fantasy draft of the whole league last year. We kept track of points scored. How often do you attend games in person? How many articles do you write a month? And where can we our listeners read them? Sure, yeah. I um attending games in person has been very different over the last couple of years. I, I have a have a daughter and we, we were trying to be very conscious. Thankfully, my wife, daughter, and I have all stayed healthy uh, through this this really tough period for so many folks. And, and, and we wanted to really make sure that we stayed that way. So uh, la- obviously, two years ago, the season finished in the bubble. And then last season, uh, living here in Orlando, where I do go to most of my games in person, they were they they were doing things a little differently and in the policies and processes had changed. But I, I stayed away because not, I don't want to say out of fear, but just out of safety, out of caution. I, I, our, our daughter is a um, she plays club soccer. She's very involved on that front. On that side, she is also obviously in school. And I did I did not want to do anything that was going to throw her year off. Uh, by any means. So I've not been going to games in person, um, but I do watch, I watch every Celtics game usually twice um, because one of the articles I write after the game is called 10 takeaways and their observations, thoughts, and themes from the, from the game. Uh, those, those posts on Celticsblog.com. Um, that's where you can find almost all of my writing about the Boston Celtics. If you're looking for any writing that I do about the salary cap or anything like that, uh, you can find that on Spot Track, um, which is a uh, finance and salary focused website. Um, I write there regularly about rosters and transactions and the salary cap and the collective bargaining agreement. And then uh, we also, with with my my good friend Trevor Lane, we host our own. Um, show and podcast called NBA front office show. And what we talk about is a lot of roster stuff, but we also cover all the latest news and notes around the league. We record that five days a week, Monday through Friday. Um, and then if something big major happens on the weekends, we, we jump in and, and do a, a quick emergency show uh, for that. And with the trade deadline coming up, we're really busy covering rumors and all those kind of things. Um, but you guys can you know check that out as well. We, we have a lot of fun with it. We, we try to avoid the hot takes and screaming and yelling and fighting and arguing that, that has dominated the sports media landscape right now we just try to be you know honest and have fun and give our opinions and and thoughts on things and break down uh transactions and roster moves and things like that 
That's awesome. I love it. And I encourage all of our listeners to check it out. Keith is such a world of knowledge. You know, a lot of those hot take shows, they're on in the morning. They they give me headaches in the morning. So I'm so <laughs> glad that there's something to listen to that's relaxed and, and carefree. Joseph has a, 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 another question for you that this one's going to be a little tough. And if you're if you're able to share, go for it. Sure. Let's do it. What four NBA teams can win it all this year? Oh, man, I love it. Um, Four, you said, right? Yep. You can okay. do two from west, two from east, or all from each um, division. Yeah, it is a little tough because I feel like I'm going to have to eliminate a couple teams. But but what, what I'll do is I'll give you two from each conference. And and I'm going to cheat a little bit because I'm not, not exactly going to, I think, uh, give you any surprises here. Um, but it, it's truly the way I feel. I feel like the Golden State Warriors and Phoenix Suns are the two best teams in the league. And I think they've proven that uh, to this point in the season. Uh, they, they both are just chugging along, winning games at a really good rate. And they, they are both really, really good basketball teams. So it would not surprise me if either one of them got to the finals and won it. Suns were really close last year. I think we've kind of forgotten that they won the first couple games of that NBA finals. Um, and they, they looked like they, they might win that championship. So I, I think they're, they're right there. And then the Warriors, they're, they're, they're not the Warriors from a few years ago. Um, you, you you probably don't remember them because you were just a little guy then, but I know your dad does. Um, and they 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 were so good um, back then. So that that's a little bit different. And then in the Eastern Conference, the Bucks are still right there. They they're the champs. They they still have Giannis. They've still got Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday. Uh, if they can get Brooke Lopez back, they're they're starting to figure out their depth issues. So I think the Bucks are going to be right there. And then. I still think that Brooklyn Nets, because they have Kevin Durant and James Harden all the time and Kyrie Irving some of the time, uh, have a real chance. Now, they've got some problems. They're, at times, their defense isn't very good. Uh, they, their offense can be a little slow um, at, at moments. So they, they, they are not the overwhelming favorite that I think many thought they would be. But it's still the, when you have that kind of talent in, in a playoffs and a bunch of guys that can really kind of go win you a game almost by themselves, that gives you a leg up on just about anybody. I agree with you exactly. Those are all my teams that I was going to say. And for the Golden State Warriors, I think Stephen, um, Stephen Curry having his partner back, Clay Thompson and Draymond Green all together, they're an amazing team. Yeah, absolutely. You're 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 spot on with that. They're going to get Clay Thompson back this weekend on Sunday. He's going to make his debut, and that's going to be huge uh, for them because it's just you know another good player. It's almost like making a big trade acquisition without actually getting rid of anything. You you didn't give anything up. You're just getting back a really good player, and that's going to be really really important for them. And yeah, that's they and they're also they they've just like they've been uh, from kind of their rise. They, they are one of the more fun teams to watch play because they just play an entertaining style of basketball. Yeah, they're very exciting. And you mentioned Giannis. Um, we interviewed his biographer, Mirren, um, and he just has an incredible American dream story. Uh, Mirren Fader took us through her entire book about Giannis's life just three days after he won the NBA championship. Check out that podcast. It's just been incredible. And I'll throw a sleeper pick out to you, a team that I saw. Um, I think that Utah has a chance to, to go deep this year. 
Yeah, I think so too. They would have been right in that next group for me, along with like Chicago and Miami. Um, I think also have a chance. And it's it, it, every time uh, over the past, uh, let's call it about 10 ish or so years uh, that I picked against LeBron James, I'm the one who ended up looking silly. Um, so so that, that's also a little bit hard to do. But yeah, Utah, they've hit the point where they got to prove it in the playoffs because they've been a very, very good regular season team for a number of years running now. But in the playoffs, just something always happens, whether it's a matchup that they can't get by or something like that. So they're, they're a little bit on that list of, all right, prove it to me when it really matters, and then I'm going to fully buy in. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing, Keith. Well, why don't we finish with this last one? The Celtics-Lakers rivalry is one of the richest in sports. What are some of your favorite memories from the past years in regards to that rivalry itself? And who's in better position as an organization to win 20 titles first going forward? Um, yeah, some of my favorite memories are just watch. It felt like every year when I was a kid, when, when, when I was, um, uh, your, your son's age, Joseph's age, I felt like I was in, every year it was Celtics Lakers in the finals. And and if it wasn't, it felt almost wrong. Like it wasn't uh, the, the real finals or, you know, something like that. It felt odd. So, um, so I just have those memories of it, that being that team we, we hated it's, to this day. I don't own any purple or yellow um, because I just, I don't like those colors. Uh, and I, th- I can only believe a lot of that has to do with the Lakers. So, so that part is really, um, you know, is really, uh, the, those memories of spending that time with you know my dad who grew up with Celtics Lakers as his rivalry as well you know when when he was a kid too so that that's just you know one of those things that always kind of sticks with me uh, from that and then seeing the Celtics beat them in 2008 uh, which was kind of Boston's return to prominence after several years of of really kind of struggling that was really really great to to see that um you know that team with Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen and you know just so many fond memories of that team because as that team was built and came together we were living in Southern California surrounded by Lakers fans and as that season went along and it became wait a minute, this might be a thing that happens. Uh, that was really cool to to be with that team uh, through that. As far as the last part of your question, it's so hard to answer because on one hand, you want to say, well, Boston is positioned with the better younger players in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. But as we talked about earlier in the show, we don't know how long that's going to stick as a partnership. And then the Lakers they, they have a lot of their players are older. So LeBron James and Russell Westbrook and then Anthony Davis still should have, you know, several good years left. And heck at this point, LeBron may play for another five years of great basketball. Um, so what's hard to answer there is I think you almost have to look at it and say, well, what does the more recent history tell us? And the more recent history, unfortunately, as a Celtics guy tells me, the Lakers are going to get players to go play there because everybody wants to play in LA. They like the weather. They like the location. The, 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 the team is historically uh, good in a contender. So um, it's very easy for them to get players. And because of that, that gives them a leg up on just about every other team in the league. So I'd say that it's probably got them a little bit closer, but if Boston can really figure out this mix around Tatum and Brown, that swings back the Celtics way in a big, big way. Well, that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. I have this uh, sneaky suspicion that LeBron wants to hang around long enough um, to possibly play on a basketball court with his son on the same 
team as him, if that's even possible. But he just seems like uh, his workout regimen is, is is similar to a Tom Brady. They just keep getting older and are still very, very dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. And that that's the rumor that's been around the league for a long time is he, he wants to play at least a year or two with, with his son somewhere and for some team. And that's, you know, maybe, maybe that is the way we see uh, that come together and go, go down. And in the, to the last part of what you said is, yeah, I mean, this guy is, he, he we, we make the jokes all the time that he's a cyborg and he's a machine, but it's really how well he takes care of himself and how much time he invests into his body and things like that. We're, we're seeing these guys go later and deeper into their careers at a very high level, but it's still not, it's still not all of them, right? It, we, we don't have a whole bunch of guys in their late thirties and early forties running around playing sports at a high level. So the ones that do it at a high level, it still stands out that they just, they, they, they handle everything on and off the, the court or field in, in a different way than a lot of the other folks do. Yeah. Incredible. So Bronny, if you're listening and you want to talk about, uh, uh, you know, playing with your dad in the future, just like <laughs> my son and I, uh, we, we play in the driveway together. Uh, by all means, you have an open invitation to come on the Sliders and Curveballs podcast with Joseph and myself. Keith, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule. I know that the Celtics are going to be playing the Knicks tonight. We love Kemba. We just don't want him to beat us tonight. And enjoy the rest of the season. We'll shoot you a little email when we're at the uh, January 15th game to let you know how the vibe is at the TD Garden. And, and we're really so grateful that you would help spend some time with us. And I know our listeners are going to love it. I appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. And uh, enjoy that game. Hopefully the Celtics come through with a win for you. You betcha. Thanks, Thank Keith. you. Take care. Bye-bye now, Keith. Bye, Keith. Hey, sports fans, it's time for Pitch Us a Question, our version of a mailbag. And you know what? I'm really impressed. We had such a variety of questions this particular round. Um, I read them all to Joseph, and it makes us think about what we want to talk about for future podcasts. Um, they were really cool. I mean, we had submissions from Jim, Lou, Dave. Uh, Paul's question was great. Roy's was great. Steven, Ricky, Dan, um, Leslie, Jason, they were all fantastic. But as you can guess, the winner was the one that was most on topic for our mystery guest. And this show was all about the Boston Celtics. Now, the card giveaway is for future Hall of Famer Albert Pujols. And you also get the first Joseph Custom Sliders and Curveballs podcast car as well as a bonus. Now, stay tuned because we're also going to do a great show in February. You know, we do one usually once a month. And um, we're also going to have one of our live viewing contests where we give away Bo Jackson. Bo knows football. Bo knows sliders and curveballs. And that's going to be a live watch party for the Super Bowl where we're going to have a contest that kids of all ages, fathers, mothers can watch that game along with us, even though we're all in our own home safe and we can figure out what's going to happen and see if you could win one of the coolest cards I've ever seen, Bo Jackson. So Joseph, without further ado, uh, who won this podcast's uh, giveaway? And then we'll go ahead and, and ask what the question is. The winner is James Greenberg for the win. James Greenberg, congratulations, LaSalle. 
And uh, your question was right on topic. This is a fun trivia question, which I actually needed to get the answer from uh, James on because I guessed wrong. And I think so did Joseph on the way home from travel basketball as well, Um, which shout out to Newington travel basketball. They got their first couple of wins in the nutmeg tournament. James asks, who was the only Celtics player? And I'll repeat that. Who was the only Celtics player with 100 steals, 100 assists, 100 rebounds, and 100 blocked shots in the same season? Now, I'm guessing that Keith Smith probably knows this. Do you? Do some of our fans know who follow the NBA? My guess was either Bill Russell or Kevin McHale. Joseph, if you remember, who did you guess? You thought it might have been number 33? I thought it was Bill Russell. Or was it Larry Bird, right? Yeah, or Larry Bird. Well, the answer to that question is Reggie Lewis. Reggie Lewis, who passed away and used to play for Jim Calhoun. What a special talent. He was smooth as butter. He had no weaknesses. He was going to be the future of the Celtics. Blocked MJ four times in one game, and he's the one that can claim the only Celtic in history that had that accomplishment. Thank you so much, James, for your awesome question. Um, you didn't know the guest, and we were talking Celtics this uh, this week. In the future, I'm sure there's going to be NFL, NBA, M- MLB, UConn men, UConn women. We try to dive into as many conversations as we can. I will say, though, that... Um, and this is just off the cuff. One question that came up a lot, of course, everybody wants to know about the Red Sox and the Yankees. Everybody wants Joseph's opinion on um, who's going to be in the Super Bowl. Joseph, um, do you have an idea right now, just off the top of your head, who, who do you think wins the Super Bowl this year? Which was a popular question. Unfortunately, it didn't win the card, but it's a good idea. Who who, who do you got? I don't want you to break any fans' hearts, but who, who comes to mind? I want... Um... I want the Dallas Cowboys because they're my team. But honestly, I have to say the winners of the uh, 2021 season through 2022 is going to be the people who deserved it but didn't play their hardest last year, Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. So they've had a little bit of a rocky season, um, but you think the Chiefs are going to be back when the, when the lights are the brightest, that they're going to win this year? Yeah, I really do, because another one of our fans asked um, who who is going to be, um, who is going to score the first touchdown in the, in, in, um, the Super Bowl. Well, you know, don't answer that because that might actually be our, that's a little something that our fans can think about. We might go with who scores the first touchdown um, in the Super Bowl to win that Bo Jackson card. I'm still playing around with it a little bit. But as always, Joseph, Keith was an awesome guest. I'm looking forward to going to the TD Garden with you to see the Bulls Celtics. Uh, I love you, son. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. Love you, dad. We'll see you next time on the Sliders and Curveballs podcast. Peace out. Bye.